Good morning, everyone. My name is G. I serve as executive pastor here at the City Lab Church. Welcome uh, for those of you here this morning and those of you uh, watching us online. Great to have you this morning. Uh, today, we are continuing our series called Recalled. Um, but before I do, I'm just going to say it just ahead of time. It's going to go fast, okay? There's going to be a lot of information. Whenever I stand up here, some of you know, I got a lot to say. I just do, you know, like when you give me a text or some portion of a scripture, it's like, well, you have 35 minutes. Like, thanks, but no thanks. You know, it's, give me more than that there. But anyways, all this is, that's a preacher problem. Um, continuing our series on recall, uh, finding your purpose again. And so we are going through this uh, discipleship series. That's what this is all about. Um, last two weeks, Pastor Chris introduced why we're doing it. And he gave us a couple stories of like a couple of the like elements being recalled, right? So recall thinking about like cars being recalled, right? You remember the two weeks ago, there was a mentioning of a Hyundai and uh, Kia Shame, just shame, the Korean company. Oh, I feel shame. Even though I'm American, I feel like problem is on me for some reason because it's a Korean company. Anyways, but then in a recall, Tesla, right? Tesla, I mean the glorious Tesla, even Tesla had to recall. Uh, but what we're trying to say is, spiritually, sometimes, sometimes, we need to be recalled to the most fundamental foundational doctrine and what we believe in order that wherever we are in life, a junction of life, you know, there's a time that we realize that we are out of line, that we are not in line with the one who saved us. And that's just because we are, we are connected to this world. Unfortunately, the world has some form of influence on us, whether we like it or not. But the foundation, the, when we return or we recall to the foundation of our original state, original model, if you think about it, so that we may be able to run in our precise or pristine status that God has called you and I to be. If you think about it, let's just put it this way. How many of you have an iPhone? Yeah. Don't, don't be ashamed to raise your hand. If you have an iPhone, it's okay. How many of you have Android? Yeah. God bless you. You know, it's, yeah, we all have, hey, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not starting anything here. Why are you laughing? I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not like that at all. You know, guys, but though I do have an Apple, um, there's a time that you probably get this thing called updates. Just random. Say like you're the 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 the, the FO 18.4.3.2 is out, and it always reminds you. It's like no, I don't want to, but it will remind you next day, and then the next day I say, oh gosh, I'm just tired of it. Just you know, I'm just going to update. But why do you update? Have you ever thought about why you update? There's a reason behind it, right? The reason being is because there might be some issue with that program that you are running, or maybe there is a virus, especially if you're an Android user. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of viruses. So that, that's just PC problem. I don't understand how this works. But, you know, the PC is prone to, uh, prone to virus. Anyways, I'm just being honest here. I mean, my brother is a computer science manager, you know, he's a doctor there, and so he tells me the most problem today that you have with a computer is PC. It's not because Apple is just amazing, which it is, but the main reason is, is because majority of the world use PC. 
more capacity, more chance of being hacked or different things. Anyway, that's beside the point. Don't get me all nerdy here. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. You need to update. There is a time that you need to make an update in order that your phone, the things that the supercomputer that you're carrying right next to you, is operating to its best state. And so you do need to make an update time to time. But how about this one? There is a time. There is this few times that you have to do a hard reset. How many of you actually have done the hard reset? I don't, I don't wish that on my worst enemy. The hard reset. That's like when you're rebooting your entire system, right? Because there's something wrong with your phone. Apple too, don't worry. Apple and, you know majority of Android, it actually goes through those moments. Why? Because there is a time there is just nothing you can possibly do. Even the systems, programs, and even the expert will be able to come in and say, it's, it's not salvageable. So let's try to return to its pristine, original state, and maybe we should be able to fix it that way. How many of you, actually, whenever you have a slow computer, turn off and turn it back on? Everybody, right? That's the most number one way to fix your stuff, right, in a way. And, but we do it. We do it, why? Because we want, there's something wrong with the system, and we need to bring it to the state that it needs to be. And how much more, as a Christians, we need to, time to time, not all the time, I guess, but all time to time, you have to examine what is inside the system that you're running is running pristine status, the way that it was designed to be. And I would argue that I will bring to you that our original creator, the creator of the universe, who created you and me, knows exactly how we should run. He knows our best pristine status. And for that reason, I believe that we have to go back. And we have to sometimes, maybe some of you are maybe just have to just reset. Maybe you have to do a hard reboot. I don't know. But we all are at somewhere we always need to constantly check to see if we are in a state that we need to be. Sometimes we do need to be recalled. And you know, Pastor Chris said in first week, and I should, I, you should remember, he said when you're being recalled for something, when the company recalls you, whatever they fix is free. Isn't that the gospel? That with all the sins and mistakes that we make in this world, we go to our creator, it's free. The grace is free. Is readily available for you and me. And so why not check our foundation, check what we have in order that we may work the way we were created to be. I'm about to do some recap, so it's going to go fast. Just hold, your, hold on to your seat here. The City Life Houston exists to honor God and make Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible disciples in our city. That's our mission. We believe that God has called each and every one of us, but specifically our church. We have specific mission that God has called us to do. Not to, not to say that we are better than any other church. There are great churches in Houston, Texas. I know many of the pastors that are doing wonderful things, but they might not have the same DNA that we have, the mission that we're trying to do, which is campus ministry, which you have heard early this morning. We're passionate about campus. We're passionate about reaching the young people. Why? Because we believe that if you do not build generationally, eventually you'll run out. How many churches you ever been to, it's not to criticize, that you just go and there are no young people? There's no fire. There's no zeal. 
And there's nothing there. But I believe that when you reach the young people, when you grab and hold up the young when they're young in their life, and be able to shape and mold their thinking, their understanding, then you can impact the world. You can impact the generation, not only us. So in a way, what we're really saying here is, it's not really about you, but it's about generation coming after you. And that's what generation building is all about. That's what we do. That's what we wanted to do it the right way. And this is the mission. We believe that we want to make disciples. And because that's what Jesus has commanded us to do, go make disciples of all nations. We define the disciple of Jesus as a follower of Jesus, who is Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible. And someone who gives their whole life to be with Jesus, Christ-centered, Become like Jesus, spirit-empowered, and behave like Jesus, which is socially responsible. We believe that discipleship is not limited to mentorship, not only limited to leadership, not only limited to taking a bunch of classes. We believe that discipleship is everything. I believe that discipleship is a state of being. One with Christ. That, I believe, is what the state that we're trying to grab hold of and make sure that you understand how you behave in front of your coworker, or knowing one at that, that's what makes you disciples. Because it will be easy for you to call that person out and say how terrible that person is. A Christ-centered person will act differently. Because we see the depravity and the sin of this world. We don't say, ah, what's wrong with you? That's what the religious do. They point and say, ah, you, this world, there, you guys are just falling apart. You're going to go to hell. Da, da, da. Is that what we're called to do? Are we called to judge the world as if they're supposed to behave perfectly? They don't know Jesus. Why are you expecting, why you have all this? rules and regulation, and bring this state to them as if they need to behave certain way. They don't know. And you're actually expecting them to live in certain way, as if self-righteousness. And that's not what discipleship is about. How do we make disciples? In the City Life Church, there's a four, there's a, well, we share four E strategy. Pastor Chris actually introduced this last week. And this is through engaging culture and community, establishing biblical foundation, which we are going to focus on today, equipping believers to minister, and empowering disciples to make disciples. Our church is a process of picture that shows how the church will accomplish the mission in the broadest level. So when we reach, we just don't stop there. When we reach the college students, or young people that, that, that doesn't know Christ. You just say, you're saved, you're going to heaven. Good to go. Go figure it out. No. When person decide to give their life to Christ now, let's sit down, let's lay the foundation. Let's find out what you believe and you must believe because I, I will tell you, if there's any moment in history where Christianity is under attack, it's now. There are way too many dangerous, destructive 
ideologies that are within the church, not outside the church, within the church. So if we do not have a foundation that is solid, that is grounded in Christ, it's just a matter of time. History teaches us that's exactly how the church has been. Church history. Just go and read all those moments when the self-righteous rise and the religious rise, and then the world despised the church. What are we saying to the world? If you believe, and Kayla did it beautifully this morning, the blessed is not just about this just wonderful living and worry-free prosperity life. If that's what you were taught to believe, that God's number one concern for you is to live a prosperous life, you got the gospel wrong. You got it all wrong. Yes, it is a conditional. There could be, but that's not the main thing. But we spend so much time focusing on the things that is not the priority, but there's a sub, second, third, fourth, fifth benefit, if that. And so there are a lot of different theologies going around, doctrines, that we have to know what we truly believe in because that's what's going to sustain us in the long run. Because all those ideas of the past, within the church, within the church, not, not our church in general, in the church history, all those ideologies, all those acceptance, all those you can do whatever you want, believe me, they're not around anymore. The Christ church, the church that remained has been standing by and said, we believe what Jesus taught what he has given us is perfect, and we'll stand by that, and that church still remains. Everyone else is falling apart. Prosperity gospel is going downhill. Why? Because the last two years exposed a lot of different things, isn't it? Getting a little rabbit hole there. Going back to today, so establish. Let me just explain to you uh, how we define establish. We establish people in Christ through deliberately and systematically laying biblical foundation in all newborn believers. The goal is to make them permanent in biblical conviction. Repeat after me. Permanent in biblical convictions. As they keep on growing in their love and obedience to God so that they can do the same in turn with others. What you believe, what you practice matters. And today we are going to focus how vital, how important it is what you and I believe in, in Christian faith. Open your Bible this morning to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to go to two places, Matthew and Luke. Matthew chapter 7 and Luke chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, if you don't have a paper Bible, it's going to be at the behind the screen. So you can just follow along there. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built this house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. Verse 49, but he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? This is the word of the Lord. Today, we're going to focus mainly on the Matthew's account. Today is really interesting because it's only a few verses, but you're going to discover some of the most important things about the foundational work of Christian faith. This is the final portion of the Sermon on the Mount, or known as a Beatitude. It contains Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But today's verse actually ends with a very interesting notion, which you will find. This is given to the multitude of people that came to hear about this rabbi. This amazing rabbi teaching about the kingdom of God with a teaching with a such an authority that we have never seen before. And now you and I actually possess the Sermon on the Mount as a part of Christianity. I believe that this was the greatest sermon that was ever preached in history. And that had to be done through our Lord. In previous chapter, or previous chapter of the book, it starts within verse 13 and 14 in chapter 7 mainly. It talks about the narrow way. It says, by enter by the narrow gate, not the wide, which leads to destruction. Next, it's talking about the evidence of a faithful and unfaithful. It's verse from 15 to 20. It says, good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. And thirdly, cause of discipleship, which is verse 21 to 23. And the scripture tells us, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven, which we read in Luke. And today, what we just read, the parable of a building, is first verse from 24 to 27. Now, these four combinations... The final part of the Summer on the Mount ends with a warning, great warning. It is as if he is speaking to the crowd on the multitude, as if some of you are going to obey and some of you are not going to obey. Unfortunately, unfortunately, if you hear the voice of the Lord, if you read your Bible, even when you're coming to the church today and hear the message today, and if you leave this door today at the end of the service and does not act upon the things that you have heard, 
It remains as an information. Whatever Jesus even says in the book, if you do not act upon it, it's just an information. But if you hear the voice of the Lord, if you read the Scripture, if you apply, then apply the Scripture, then it becomes a revelation. It becomes part of your life. See, I think a lot of the problem that we have is not so much what we don't know, but it's what we actually do know. That is the problem. It's what we do know that we don't act on it. I think that is the problem of many Christians today, that we do not act upon the things that we have heard and the things that the Lord actually says. And so we miss out on a lot of the things that God wants to do in our lives because we simply would not take into action. G.K. Ville and D.A. Carson, according to them, it says, the parable of the wise and foolish builders concludes this long discourse by presenting a choice to the readers. Its function is comparable to the conclusion of the holiness code, which is in Leviticus 26. And Leviticus is important, if you don't know. And the covenant discourse in Deuteronomy 28, where warning is issued to those who do not act within the covenant boundary. I like that. In James 1.22, James said, Be doer of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You see, a lot of times when we read James 1.22 and they say, oh, but that is such a work mindset. Isn't grace free? It's only we're saved by grace through faith that we are saved. But James is clear, isn't it? It's not so much about works that he's discussing, but it's about covenant. It's covenant. It is us covenanting with God that should lead into the action And if it does not lead into the action, then we are hearers only deceiving ourselves. I think that portion of the scripture is sometimes taken out of context. But I think James knew exactly what he was talking about. So let's go to the text, shall we? So that was just introduction. Thank you. Yeah, we need to, I need to land the plane. Here we go. I still got so much to say. There are two exegetical uh, techniques that are being employed here. First one is compare and contrast. And second thing is allusions. Allusions specifically about the future judgment. So Jesus actually said, you know, if you do not do these things, this is what's going to happen, which is the destruction and the death. But if you obey, there is the reward. And so there is an illusion in some form about the future judgment that's coming. There, that we are all standing in front of the judgment seat of Christ, and that he will judge us according to our faith. But compare and contrast is what we focus on today. So there are seven things, I know, seven things that we need to focus on. Number one is wise versus foolish. Second thing is hears, both hears. And number three, encounters. Number four, obedience versus disobedience. Number five, the foundation. Number six, one remains. And number seven, one difference. So let's go to each. I'll just go fast. 
first wise versus foolish. So there is two individuals in this story. Jesus will call one as a wise builder and one as a foolish builder. So there is a complete contrast. And now compare will happen within this context of a scripture. But it's not about what I think is wise. What I think is foolish is what Jesus says, who is wise according to God's eyes and who is foolish according to God's eyes. And this is where we begin. Number two, both hears the message. They both hear the message. They heard the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever told. But it is not only that Jesus is telling you, I'm just telling you a good story, information. But this is, in a way, a call to action. If you have heard the message of the gospel, you should go act upon it, not just sit on this information, be like the rest of the religious world. Act upon the things that you have learned from your Savior. Whoever hears, act, must act upon it but both actually hears. Number three, here's the problem. Both will encounter something here. And what do they encounter? They will encounter rain, floods, winds, fears, and destructive storms. And now as a Houstonian, if you moved here not that long ago, if you're watching us from other place, we understand this very well. We understand how hurricane works. We understand what Ike did here. We know a lot of different storms that came through. So I even, even preparing for this message, you know, I was looking into the commentaries like, you know, the, in Israel, it's a fierce storm. There can be floods and different things. And I'm like, no, my people understand exactly. <laughs> Storms, floods, hurricanes. They didn't have a hurricane, right? Here's the lesson, though. Jesus here is saying to his hearers that this, the storm is imminent. You can't avoid it. There's no such thing. You will face the storm. There will be storm. If there's that storm now, it will be in the future. Every one of us in this room will face some form of storm, turmoil, trials and tribulation, testing, suffering. You name it, you will encounter those moments, and just like these two will. Jesus never promised us the worry-free life. You have not. And if you believe that somehow Jesus, if you believing in Jesus will give you this worry-free life, you got the gospel wrong. Because Jesus never promised the worry-free life. Sorry, but not sorry. What he did promise you and me, though, is that his presence will be with us forever in eternity. Now, that is a promise. And that promise you and I will be able to endure for the rest of our life, our time here on earth. Whatever we may face, we are not alone. You are never alone. I do not care what testing and trials that you're facing right now in this moment, you are not alone. First of all, I truly believe that Jesus Christ, his presence is with you, guiding you through this storm. 
Not only that, you have a community of believers. Isn't that crazy? When the disciples get together, the followers of Jesus get together to carry the burden together. Only can happen within the gospel environment, the gospel-centered community. Number four will be obedience and disobedience. Wise man is obedient to Christ's teaching, while the foolish man disregards the teachings of Jesus. You see, the Bible, the existence of the Word of God is that we are faced with a choice. You and I are faced with a choice whether you are in this room as a believer, where you are outside of this room without belief, we are all faced with a choice because the Word of God has been given. It's been distributed. Now it's with us. We cannot avoid it. And so for us, this is the standard that we go by. Does that make sense? But outside, they have a different because they just don't know. That's why we have to be missional. We need to go out. We need to share the hope that is in you. It's not this professional minister going out to the street. Thus says the Lord. No. It's you. You are the missing link in their life. But if we do not go, if you just sit, then they will miss out. I believe that God has already placed some of those people in your heart. You already know who they are. You've been praying for them. Your coworkers that are just mean to you every day. Or they just don't do their work. God has placed those people in our lives so they, so they may be able to hear the word for the first time. And that's you, the hope, the Christ in you, the hope of glory. Fifth, the foundation. One was on the rock and the other on the sand. You know, if, if, if you know me, it, it, I'm very logical. So if you say, build it on the rock, that it would stand. Build it on the sand. Okay, I was a child. I was at the beach. I used to build a beach house, you know, those little cat sand castles. And then when the wave comes in, it just wipes it out. Why the heck do I want to build on the sand in the first place? Yes? Everybody. But we do. Why? Why do we build the things on the sand when we know that it will not stand? The foundation do matter. And your foundation, the where you actually laid your foundation, and what is foundation anyway? It's Christ teaching. As simple as that. Foundation is Christ teaching what Christ has taught us and how we perceive what he taught us, that becomes a doctrine and what we believe today. Oh, by the way, what you believe do matter. How do you understand the word of God? How do you perceive, how do you understand Jesus actually matters? Because there are those who do not believe that Jesus was the son of God. Christians say, what? How can that be? We're living in a world right now, in our time, where wheat and chaff are being separated. I truly believe. Where if you are believing in the Son of God and who He is, the Son of God came to save the world, die for our sin, resurrected on the third day, ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, and waiting for that return. But not everybody believed that. Christians. 
what we believe do matter, because that defines everything, our actions. We don't have a doctrinal right, everything falls. How we view the word actually matters. Do you believe the word of God is all authoritative, inspired in the Aaron word of God without Arabic? Do you believe it? If not, then why? That's the question we all need to ask. Because for thousands of years, they have. There's no doubt. But it's this recent 19th century liberal theology that's brought in this idea that we need to question the Bible. And they start to say the thing that is unthinkable to many throughout the history. Your foundation actually matters. What you build on actually matters. Number six, one remains. In the end, wise man's house remains while the foolish man's house is completely destroyed. And here is the kicker. Here's the secret. Here is the takeaway. Here is what you need to know. One difference. Just one. And you know what that difference is? It's that wise were obedient to God's word and believed and have a foundation that is set on rock of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Everything else in this world. I don't know what your foundation is built up on. Could it be a man? Could it be a system? Programs? Oh, even this church. I don't want you to get any wrong idea. I do not want you to build your life on this church. I want you to build your foundation, build your life on the rock of Jesus Christ. I'm serious. Because you know what? By no means it will happen. That some way, something bad happened to this church and we lose. And you have all your entire foundation or faith on this church. By no means. But what if? It's not a foundation that you need to stand on. I'm not the foundation you should stand on. Pastor Chris is not the foundation you should stand on. Only foundation that you should stand on is on Jesus Christ crucified. That's it. So here are takeaways, three takeaways. First, foundation matters because of storms. It's eminent. You will face your storm in life. What type of foundation do you have? Do you truly believe that you can encounter any storms of life? Because it's eminent, it's coming. If not now, later. And some of you, I'm sure, last two years felt that pressure. The challenges and difficulties of life. What is your foundation built upon? And is it stormproof? Is it stormproof? If you look at this picture, it's really interesting. This is Galveston. And I actually discovered, not this one, but before, go back. You see that one house remaining? We just learned that this house was built stormproof. Only house. 
out of all entire neighborhood. And they actually withstand the storm. I think if there's anything that you take away today, it's this picture. This picture. Are you ready to face any storms in life? And I believe that if you choose to build your foundation on the rock of Jesus Christ, I believe that you will make it. I believe so. Second, foundation matters strength. Strength matters. You know, the tallest building in the world is Burj Khalifa, which is, stands at 2,722 feet, 163 floors. But here's the kicker. Over 45,000 cubic meter or 58,900 cubic yard of concrete weighing more than 110,000 tons were used to construct a concrete and steel foundation which features 192 piles bearing more than 50 meter, 164 feet deep. It's interesting because Burj Khalifa is actually is in Dubai and it's sand, it's a desert. But you know what these clever engineers did? They did not just say, which the next slide you're going to be surprised, but then one of the things that they did, they dug deep until they reached the bedrock. And on that bedrock, they start to make those concrete pillars. And now it is standing the tallest building in the world. Strength. If you want to build your life, you have to have a good foundation. Finally, foundation matters, longevity. Are you constantly examining, assessing your foundation to be sure your life will stand for the generation to come? Look at this picture. We're almost there. What do you think? Can anybody guess what this picture is? Look odd, isn't it? If you guessed that this picture is the Tower of Pisa, you have guessed correctly. You can go to the next slide. And this is what it looked like today. But you know one thing about this tower? Even though it's beautiful, that's not what it was known for. No. It's not known for its historical value, even though it was built like 1,000 years ago. 1,173 started construction. And it's not also known for uh, architectural brilliance. No. You know what this, this building is known for? Tilting. And that's what this building is known for. Interesting facts of Tower of Pisa. Began construction in 1173. And these geniuses thought that three meters of foundation would suffice. Three meters. And they start to build, and less than five years later, the structure began to sink. If they only did a word search of what it means, Pisa, that they will discover in Greek word, Pisa means marsh land. Soils were made of clay, mud, and a wet sand. Three meters. Sure did not touch the bedrock, for sure. In 1990, expert engineers assessed that if tower is learning, leaning more than 5.44 degrees, it will topple. They discovered the tower was actually sitting at 5.5 degrees. 
that led to the massive closure to reinforce the foundation. It was just a patchwork. But yes, it survived. But in recent as 2008, uh, engineers actually announced that the tower was stabilized for the first time in history. And they could actually fix the building to make it straight. But the problem is, you lose tourists. The tourist money is a serious money. And so they decide to keep it tilt. But here's the fact though. They have to re-stabilize every 200 years for it to remain. Is your foundation stable and strong enough to last not only your lifetime, but the generation to come? Psalm 145.4, this is the word that the Lord gave me this year. It goes like this. One generation will praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. The foundation that is built so well, that lays so well, that the generation will talk about all the wonderful things that God has done at the City Life Church. It's not really about you and me, but it's about the generation that's coming after us. Will they pick up the mantle, the vision and the mission that we're carrying right now to the next generation and the next generation. And while they're doing that, they're declaring God's goodness and God's glory in the process. And that's the type of church that we, Pastor Chris and I, always dream about. That one day our kids will be coming back to serve in this church. The church that our children will be proud to be at. And our grandchildren, great-grandchildren and the generation and the generations of sons and daughters that will come to this house. They'll be proud to be part of what God is doing in City Life Church, and that's what we want to build here at City Life Church. How about you? Let us pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for giving us this wonderful warning. It's not dreading, it's not harsh, but Lord, you truly care enough to point things out to us that there is a danger, that there is a hidden danger that is lurking. I pray that, Lord God, for the saints here today that are here also watching online, that they will go to you. They will run to you and ask for the firm foundation, the rock, that you can only establish, Lord. I just thank you for everyone here that will, you will use us and that you will bless them in order that generation may know of how awesome and wonderful you are. In Jesus' name, amen.